Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And it is draft day, which used to mean something to Knicks fans. Not this year, though. Uh, the Knicks don't have a pick. But we're going to talk about how they could potentially get a pick. We'll talk about a report that Obi Toppin might be on the outs with the team uh, based off some altercations later on in the season. We'll talk about how the Pacers, one of the teams that the Knicks could have most dealt with, uh, has already moved some of their picks. And if that affects uh, the Knicks' ability to get into the draft. And then we'll just talk it out. Can the Knicks get back in this draft? And we will make final predictions before draft night. All coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit the notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you can be an everydayer and never miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And it's uh, your favorite draft person's least favorite day if they're a fan of the Knicks because the Knicks don't have a pick, Gavin. Uh, But we do have, you know, because it's never a dull day. There is a report from the Athletics' Fred Katz out right now saying that things might not be going so well with Obi Toppin at the moment. And and I think, as, as we will lay out, this all connects because, as we theorized, and, and we were certainly not alone um, in Knicks circles in doing so, Obi Toppin was going to be the Knicks' primary avenue of getting a first-round pick in this year's draft. But there was always the possibility that Obi wanted to stay a Nick. The Knicks loved Obi, even in a limited role. And it all kind of worked out. But now that looks increasingly unlikely because there was something we didn't know. Um, and that was uh, the tensions that you and I surmised, Alex, and, 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 and many others did, um, that we thought were there, um, were actually there. So this is from Fred Katz of The Athletic. According to league sources who were present, um, this was in, in regards to uh, game four of uh, Nick's Heat. Once the final buzzer sounded, Toppin aired his grievances to Thibodeau. The 24-year-old wanted to play and he wanted to win. That evening, neither happened. An intense verbal altercation occurred between the player and the coach as the group trekked to the Kaiseya Center visiting locker room in Miami. It spilled into the postgame meeting once the doors closed. On this occasion, it's top and yelled at Thibodeau in front of the team, in front of teammates so fresh off a loss that they were still in uniform. Assistant coach Rick Brunson stepped in to stand up for his boss. Toppin and Brunson got into it for a moment. Randall, Evan Fournier, and Josh Hart next pulled Toppin aside to cool him off. Um, Fred went on to clarify that uh, that moment did not infect the Knicks locker room. In fact, Tibbs and Obi cleared it up the next day. Obi played well. He played his normal minutes. And of course, that was, um, if I forgot to clarify, that was coming off a second half where Obi was benched the entire second half for a Julius Randle playing on a bum ankle. 
And, and to me, Alex, it makes total sense that Obi would have that reaction because that was kind of the clarifying moment. All right, I really have no future here, no matter how healthy Julius is. If he can play, he's going to be on the court, even if he's not shooting well, even if he's not playing that well. If I'm not absolutely perfect in my minutes, I am going to have a very short leash. And I, I ultimately have no future in this franchise. And there's nothing wrong with that because earlier this week we heard that he quietly expressed to the Knicks around the deadline that he would prefer to be dealt we've talked about this for years it makes total sense I think the Knicks understand it and I I think Obi's going to get moved and I think it's what's best for all parties yeah I think so too at this point which is sad because you know we've definitely seen the uh, what he can be at different times uh, but that's part of why it makes more sense for him to move on as well there was also should note allegedly a recording of Obi and Tibbs taken on a cell phone or something that you needed to be like a forensic audio analyst to be able to figure out what was being said. But yeah, it's an interesting day as far as Obi Toppin's relationship with the Knicks uh, yesterday, but, and specifically with Tibbs, but yeah, I'm with you. I think, I think it makes more sense for them to try to find him a new home at this point if for nothing else then it's just financially the most viable move at this point because we've been talking about it a lot recently and it's like well if you're committed to Julius Randle for sure for the length of his contract which it seems this front office is is very sold on Julius Randle then where do you play top in and how do you justify paying him more than what he's making right now which he surely will want because he's a an NBA player going into his second contract like you want your second contract to be worth quite a bit more than your first contract because rookie contracts are, you know, meant to be a lower scale to sort of get you into the NBA. And then, then you go make your real money. And, and worth as, noting at, at Obi's age, there's even more urgency, right? It, exactly. Like this second contract is going to have to be pretty large for him um, because then by the time he's done with his second contract in the NBA, he'll be almost 30. And then, you know, who knows where things will be for him at that point. So um yeah, I, I think it just makes the most financial sense more so than anything to just move off of him now at this point. Um, I don't know exactly who would be the team that would be like the perfect match to to trade him to. I still think there's a case that, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a sec, uh, as to how viable this still is that now that they've made at least one move. But I think there's there's still a chance that the the Pacers might still come calling for Obi because they have already shown interest. They do still have at least one surplus uh, first round pick that they can, they could potentially move for him. Uh, perhaps a team like the Rockets that has the 20th pick that apparently has said that they have little interest in actually using that pick could come calling as well. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's tough to say what his market even would be because it's like, can the Knicks themselves convince teams of what we would try to convince them of, which is like, look at what he's done when he's been featured. You know, this could be your team uh, when other teams could just be like, well, why didn't you play him more than like all the other times? And why couldn't you find a way for him to play with Julius Randle, like five, five, six, seven minutes a game, you know, to get him more playing time. And which I guess the Knicks answer would just have to be, well, tips, (laughs) but I don't know. What do you think about potential market for him? I mean, I, I still think they could get a pick in the 20s. Um, obviously, the, the big hit to that was the trade that the Pacers made with the Denver Nuggets, where uh, Denver got um, 29 and 32 from Indiana. And we were uh, you, you did a whole great podcast with Tony East about it. That, that was sort of the team we were looking at 
going forward. And Indiana, um, wisely for them, moved off it and will we'll probably end up getting a better first round pick a year from now because of it. Um, but for the Knicks, that's not good because we heard over and over and over again, Indiana loved Obi. They were very interested in him at the deadline. You look at that roster, you look at the presence of Tyrese Halliburton. I've said it before, that could be a place where Obi could go. And Alex, if he put up close to 20 points per game pretty efficiently next year, I wouldn't have been shocked. I don't know. What, what do you think happened there? Do you think the Knicks approached Indiana about a move and were just rebuffed? Or are the Knicks maybe having grander ambitions for him? They said, hey, we'll give you Obi, but we want 26 and 29. And Indiana said, no, we'll just give you 29. And the Knicks were kind of thinking, all right, we could maybe get a little bit higher than that for how much we value Obi Toppin. Because if there's one, I don't know if I want to call it a flaw because I usually agree with them. But if there's one thing about this front office, they have a tendency to maybe overvalue their own talent. Is this a case of that? It's possible. I mean, they do have a very, it seems like semi Danny Ainge uh, streak in them, which is ironic that it led to like the greatest stalemate in trade history last year, uh, where, you know, Danny Ainge himself was trying to say, well, this is what Donovan Mitchell's worth. And Leon Rose is like, no, this is what we say. (laughs) This is what Quentin Grimes is worth. Yeah. This is what (laughs) Quentin Grimes is worth, my dude. Like, you know, I, yeah, maybe, maybe they are, you know, trying to do exactly what we're saying right now, which is like, just trying to be like, yeah, but look at what he did when he had a bigger role. And then other teams are saying, well, you know, you, you did a really like terrible way of proving it, you know, by just not playing him at all. I don't know. It, I think that his value could be, especially because this year he he started off fairly strong. And then by the end of the year, it seemed like it was right back to not getting any minutes again. You know, maybe that's done more damage to his value than we think. Um, or it's possible maybe Indy just wanted to make that deal regardless. And now is going to just turn to the Knicks and say, Hey, here's pick 26 and like maybe Chris, Chris Duarte or something like that. And maybe that is what ultimately gets the deal done. Maybe the Knicks are just waiting to make this deal until draft night because they don't want to just blindly get pick 26 or, or another pick like that. Um, but I, I think there's a, there's a decent chance that, you know, he could still go to Indy because it feels like Indy didn't want to make like any more than like maybe two picks in this draft um, based off, you know, what I was talking to Tony about and stuff like that. It sounds like, you know, they've basically come out publicly and been like, there's no, there was no way we were going to make five picks in this draft and, and trades are coming. So it seems like they're most enthusiastic about making pick seven and beyond that it's whatever, you know, they're just kind of, they're looking to maybe make some deals here. So we'll see what, what happens, I guess with that. But Gavin, before we uh, talk about some more teams and try to potentially predict what's going to go on with the Knicks uh, during this draft, do you want to quickly let everybody know about our good friends at Bird Dogs? I would love to because Bird Dogs make you look good. We were both lucky enough, Alex, to get two free pairs of shorts from Bird Dogs, and I can confidently say I have never felt more comfortable in a pair of shorts in my life while still looking really good in them. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Now, I, I, I don't know if I can pull off sculpted. This is as close to sculpted as I could possibly get. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton because Bird Dogs fix the issue by inverting cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. 
I've never had shorts that look that good that I'll just wear around the house for comfort all day. It really, truly is the best of both worlds. And Alex, I know you'll love this. Bird Dogs use anti-stick sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So if you had a family barbecue, want to hoop a little bit, don't want to sweat too much, it's the perfect middle ground. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. I can say firsthand, I got one. Uh, I have drunk out of it every day since. They're awesome. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. All right, Alex, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Um, so I guess here's the question at this point. Can the Knicks actually get back into the draft? We're speculating that Indiana might be a possibility. Um, our friend Jonathan Macri over at Knicks Film School, I saw he suggested Charlotte because they have a bunch of picks, both at 27, 34, and then 39, um, late in the first, early second, that the Knicks could target. I ultimately think, maybe maybe I'm spoiling our third segment a little bit, I think the Knicks find a way to trade either into the 20s or early in the second round. If I, if I, if I know Walt Perrin, if I know this front office, there is someone that they have just fallen in love with in that range that they're going to try and go get. But where do you think that ultimately is? Yeah, I, I've been going back and forth. I think, I, I think there's a world where if the Knicks felt so inclined, they could get back in this draft twice. Um, the question is, do they feel so inclined? And the answer is probably no, uh, because I think that we've, we've seen now, like they're they're not going to give up a ton of assets to get into this draft on the overall because they they already have this full rotation that they don't really have room to like insert a rookie into unless it's a particularly spectacular rookie. Uh, now we've, we've been told about some various guys. I just spoke with the no ceilings guys the other day. So if people haven't listened to that episode yet. We talked about, you know, potential late first round guys, early second round guys, and pretty much every draft person that you talk to is going to tell you like, there's potentially some immediate contributors in the twenties in this draft, because everybody in the first, like, 20 picks or so is going to be drafting all of the one and doneers, all the younger guys, which it kind of goes down in almost every draft. And there are going to like, it seems like everybody is consensus for sure that there's going to be some guys that fall into the, the late first, early second round this year that could be NBA contributors right away. So maybe the Knicks do see that. And maybe they say, Hey, we'll trade Obi that frees up one, you know, rotation spot. And then, we'll just kind of let these guys fight it out, you know, and, and see who ends up, uh, you know, rising to the top as far as getting minutes or whatever. But um, I would think that they would probably, if they move Obi, they would want to draft another player that could presumably play that power forward spot. Um, especially now we know, I mean, I, he would have been better at the center spot, but probably would have played a little bit of a hybrid role. Like we know Porzingis is gone now uh, traded to the Celtics, which was another pipe dream. So like, things are drying up a little bit, I think for the Knicks, as far as getting that, that OB replacement um, in it, at least in theory, if he ends up not being with the team anymore. Uh, so I feel like, I think m the breaking case of emergency option would probably just be trading cash to some team for a second round pick. And ironically enough, the nuggets might pop up as a team that they could trade with now. I mean, the nuggets have made two moves to get back into the draft now. Uh, after, you know, they're, they're sort of doing like what the Knicks aren't doing, where they didn't have any draft picks. And then they've since made two moves that have now gotten them arguably too many draft picks because uh, they it's a championship team that obviously has a pretty well locked in rotation as well. But they ha now have the 29th, 32nd and 37th pick. 
Um, so I wonder if they might actually be like if if they get past the 32nd pick and say, well, we drafted two guys that we feel good about. Could the Knicks just approach them with five million cash or whatever the amount is and say, hey, guys, congrats on the NBA championship. We have picked 37 for five million in cash. Maybe that happens. Um, I do like the idea of Charlotte as well. Uh, I guess it would just be their – like I don't know what their interests are. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of weird. Like they're uh, – they seem like they're stuck in the middle uh, as usual <laughs> where it's like they have Lamelo ball, but they have this super high pick. Do they want to make that pick? There's also talk about them potentially wanting to trade like the number two pick for Brandon Ingram or like Zion or something. So do they make a move like that? If they do that, that's obviously kind of more of a win now move. So then would they be down to trade like pick 27 for Obi Toppin and maybe pick 27 and stuff, you know? To, for Obi Toppin to try to compete quicker, uh, I don't, I don't know, but they, the Hornets are definitely in, an intriguing potential landing spot. I, I feel like potentially for Obi as well, and and I'll throw this idea to you too, Gavin. Do you think there's any interest level potentially from the Rockets who have two picks, uh, the twentieth pick, and then obviously the fourth pick, uh, or the Nets across the river, which who the Knicks don't normally deal with, but they hold picks twenty one and twenty two. Yeah, I, I can't see the Rock. I mean, I, I should rephrase that. I don't think it would be wise for the Rockets to trade for Obi Toppin just because that is the most offensively forward, defensively indifferent team in the NBA. And while Obi might help them score 140 points per game and, and him with uh, Sengun's passing would be truly a joy to watch on some level. One, I want Obi to go to a place that's a little bit more functional where he has like the ability to stretch his wings, but also more structure. And maybe, and look, Ime Adoka is coming in, so maybe he'll he'll get that right. Maybe they'll alter their roster. Um, on paper, I don't see that as a great fit. Brooklyn, I honestly think, is a really good fit for him because they're loaded up at the wing. They're loaded up with Mikhail Bridges. They've mostly been playing wing guys at the three or four. I, I think ultimately they're going to want to trade, whether it's Dorian Finney-Smith or Cam Johnson um, or Royce O'Neal. They're going to want to trade one or two of those guys for future picks um, or guard play. That could help them a little bit, but they don't really have a ton of true power forwards on the roster. And I could see Obi slotting in really well between Bridges and Nick Claxton, giving them some shooting, giving them some rebounding, giving them some pace. So if I were the Nets and the Knicks offered me what Obi for one of those two guys, I would personally jump on it. Um, I think if you're the Knicks, that would maybe leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth, um, trading him across the river, particularly if he, I, I don't, I don't really think Obi is going to ultimately become a star, but I do think he could become like statistically someone who's really impressive and, and someone who makes that trade look bad down the road. I don't know, Alex, would you, would you be able to stomach that if, if Obi became a 20 point per game guy in Brooklyn? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was just, I mean. I would understand it from a business perspective, you know, like I said, but I would, <laughs> that would be annoying. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. That would suck. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I would not particularly enjoy making that deal, but if it gives the Knicks the best value and, you know, like if nobody's offering anything better than the, the 21st pick, let's say you could, you could take that off the, the nets for that. I guess you just kind of have to do it because otherwise, what are you going to do? Like if, if Obi is clearly frustrated and has had multiple dust ups this past season, I mean, look, I'm not saying that like 
Obi's character is bad or anything. Like, obviously, all this stuff flew under the radar until now. He didn't make any of it public. You know, it's just through people that have since identified it and, you know, and revealed it to like the media and whatever that this stuff even got out. So like he was still being a good soldier, at least like on the surface, but do you really want another year of, of him being that unhappy? And like, at what point does it become a locker room issue? You know, if he's had multiple dustups where he's not happy and yelling at coaches and stuff like that. And like, it's totally justifiable because I think that he's proven that he does deserve more of a role. And it's, it's gotta be frustrating for him to just be like, well, I understand and I respect how good Julius Randall is, but it's really frustrating for me to not be able to play when I know that I'm really good too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if you ultimately end up getting like sort of quote unquote losing the trade, but you get to at least, you know, I trust the Knicks scouting well enough that I feel like if you give them the 21st pick, they'll find a way to select a guy that within two years could be a, a good rotation player. Um, I mean, if that's, if that's what ends up happening, then, then so be it. Um, I think it's, I think it's a risk worth taking, uh, but let's, uh, I've got another team that I want to bring up uh, in it's our boss's team uh, that I, I can't believe we haven't brought up yet. Uh, so we could do that in just a moment when we get into our next segment, but Gavin, do you want to real quick let everybody know about the game time app before we do that? I would love to, Alex, because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and the best price guaranteed. You can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. Um, I have the luxury, Alex, of living pretty close to Madison Square Garden. I typically cannot afford to go to a ton of Knicks games, but the Game Time app has completely changed that for me because now I can just look 20 minutes before the game. Heck, I can even look in the middle of the first quarter and see, oh, wow, tickets down to 40 bucks. I'm going to head over to MSG and have myself a great night because you no longer have to plan months in advance. They have tickets right up to the day of the event, even during the event, and you can get flash deals on sports like football, basketball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the beauty of it is the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NBA for $20 off. Download the game time app, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is my favorite daily fantasy game. Uh, it's, I've, I've described it before and I'll describe it again. So, the fantasy games you might have played before in daily fantasy, you probably have a real, real bad opinion of. At least I did. Uh, you go into these games and they're like, they're like, draft this roster with like a million dollars worth of, of, you know, cap or whatever. And then you have to like, spend your money on different players and build out your whole roster and try to get the most points out of it. Well, unfortunately I've got news for you. The reason that you always lose at those is because they allow unlimited entries per person. And there are certain people out there that have spreadsheets and algorithms and formulas that tell them what the best lineups are to play. And you end up playing against like in a contest with 20,000 entries, you're playing against like five people that bought up, you know, a fifth of the entries each, and you're just in there with your lowly single entry and basically just flush 20 bucks down the toilet. That's not fun. That's not a that's not a good way to go about uh, playing your daily fantasy games. A better way is the prize picks way, which is where you're just playing against 
the projections, just playing against prize picks itself. It's like, it's like going, uh, you know, and, and playing a game at a casino. You're just playing against the house. That's it. Uh, and it's pretty fun. I mean, it's basically the way it works is you pick two to six players uh, and you pick them against their, their prize picks projections. So they'll say this player is going to, well, right now it's not so much basketball points, but this player is going to get uh, uh, plus or minus 1.5 hits in this baseball game. And then you, you pick the over or the under and you do that up to six times and that's how you create your entry. And when you're done, you can win up to 25 times your money. They also offer projections on pretty much any sport you watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. So you can place an entry that covers all those or none of those. You just pick whatever you want to do. You can do multi-sport. It's very fun and very cool because you get to build an interesting entry and have a lot of different things to root for on any given night. So if you want to try for yourself, download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Gavin, we're back in. Still trying to find a way to get the Knicks back in the draft. Uh, it's it's a challenge. It's a it's like a, what's the thing from um, Da Vinci Code, the Codex? It's like a Codex right now. We're trying to trying to build this thing up and unlock the way to get the Knicks a draft pick. Uh, I can't believe we haven't talked about this team yet, but. Uh, the Utah Jazz, are are they potentially an option here? They do hold three picks, uh, pick nine, pick 16, and pick 28. Now they're like presumably in rebuild mode, so you would think that there's a chance that they're like just like foaming at the mouth to make all three of those picks. But uh, they also were sort of better than people thought they were going to be last year, at least for a stretch of the year. Uh, and as far as like an Obi Toppin deal – I don't know if they're necessarily the perfect destination, but they do have a younger coach that would probably be more willing to say, hey, let's throw Obi and Laurie Markinen out there at the same time and see what happens. Um, which is, you know, if you gave Obi still a bench roll, but 20 to 25 minutes, I think that would be a market improvement from what he's dealing with right now on the Knicks if he at least had a chance to earn more playing time playing with Walker Kessler and, and Laurie Markinen. Um, that said, I, I feel like the Jazz are in sort of an awkward spot where, at least from a Knicks perspective, where 16, I feel like they would probably look at as an overpay in 27 or sorry, 28, the Knicks would maybe look at as, and eh, maybe that's not enough. I don't know. How do you feel about them as a potential destination? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to throw out a different name. I, I don't think that's an Obi Toppin destination. I think that is an Emmanuel quickly destination, but only if the Knicks valued pick nine and maybe pick 16 because I think it would take both or like nine and a future pick or nine and a player back. I don't really know who that would be though, because marketing and Kessler would, would not be on the table in that kind of trade. And there's no one really else in the jazz roster. I would particularly be interested in personally, Alex, I, I think even the ninth pick in a draft this good would be selling too low on a manual quickly. Um, because I, I love the guy. And, and as we've outlined, I think he has a future is one of just like the best, two-way guards in basketball, not one of the best bench guards in basketball. Um, and, and that kind of raises the question, like if we're going to 
aim our ambitions a little bit higher because we know the Knicks, they have a tendency to fall in love with certain guys in the draft. And usually, usually those are guys in the 20s. But if I can rewind a year, you and I were foaming at the mouth about the possibility of the Knicks going all in on Jaden Ivey. And that was something the Knicks actually did try to do last year. And they were, they were pushing and pushing and pushing the Pistons to try to get into that spot. And I think it was Jonathan Gavoni who, who kind of alluded to it on the low post um, the other day when he was talking about how the Pistons operate. And he was saying the front office actually might have been interested in doing a deal with the Knicks. They might have been interested in getting Emmanuel quickly in that kind of deal. Ultimately, it was squashed by Pistons ownership. We said, hey, we're, we, we got to pick this high. We're just going to make the pick. We're going to take the swing. And you know what? That might end up working well for Detroit. Jaden Ivey looked really good. Um, but is there a world where the Knicks revisit that kind of deal with the Pistons? Or as we mentioned previously with the Rockets and throw some draft equity in there with the Magic who desperately need a point guard who could shoot um, at or, or, or someone who could shoot because Markel Fultz is really good. Indiana, um, he would be an interesting fit there. They'd have to move off of Buddy Heald. The Wizards just traded for Tyus Jones, so maybe that's less of an option. Um, the Jazz, we just noted, um, they could be interested. My point is, I think Emmanuel quickly, like if we're looking, I I, I, I never read or watched the Da Vinci Code, so I, for, I forgot the term you just used. But if we're looking for that thing, Emmanuel quickly could be that thing. Yeah, possibly. I mean, so if we're going to look at everybody, let's just say if we're setting the Jazz at like, oh, the you know, pick nine maybe is an underpay for quickly, at least in our eyes. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just go through like all the teams real quick. So like the Spurs, obviously not moving. Weminyama, generational, blah, blah, blah. The Hornets... I think very unlikely just because of LaMelo Ball's presence. And I feel like they wouldn't be like, uh, although I don't know, I feel like, I feel like quickly would make a great compliment to LaMelo Ball as, yeah. a, star, as a starting backcourt. But I doubt that they look at that when they're already trying to look at like Brandon Ingram or something, who's like actually a star already and would be like, Oh no, we're okay with doing a manual quickly for this pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but let's, but like, we could also say like quickly plus like every pick that the Knicks have. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think the Knicks would go down that road because if they got a scooter, they got a Brandon Miller, they wouldn't be able to showcase them to turn them into a star like you would hope. Obviously. Yeah, at least or unless like Miller, I don't first off, I don't think they would. I don't think the Knicks would touch Scoot with a 10 foot pole because they'd be like, well, we have Jalen Brunson already and we need more shooting, not less shooting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if they if they got Miller, they would probably want to start him right away. But it's like, yeah, what kind of growing pains would you have to go through there? Um, and then the Blazers. I don't know. I feel like I feel like if they trade that pick, they're gonna want like the Blazers would come calling and be like, "We want Julius Randle." Like they're apparently looking at like Siakam or Ananobi or something for that. Which I, for Ananobi, that seems like a huge overpay to me. I do not I, understand. I've heard the same thing, yeah. and it feels like it feels like Masai has like just like mind wiped people into like thinking like, "Oh, he's worth four first round picks. Yeah. He's worth a top three pick." And if he pulls that off greatest GM of all time because OG Ananobi is a nice player. He is not that good. He is yeah. in no world that good. Sorry. Go ahead. Honestly, like with OG, it, it feels to me like if the Knicks would like throw Quentin Grimes out on the market and say like, we want four first round picks for this guy. And I would be like, even as a Knicks fan, that's crazy. Right. Like that's absolutely insane. You could maybe get like, like a like top 10 ish pick for Quentin Grimes. If you found the right team or something, you would not get four first round picks. So whatever. I, I, I don't know how Portland's uh, approaching this, but I feel like they would look for a slightly bigger swing than an Emmanuel quickly. The Rockets, maybe, although I, I don't know. I, I, it feels like they want to 
make big splashy moves for existing old stars that probably won't win them anything. Like they're very in on bringing James Harden back. Although I think it quickly would make a perfect fit with James Harden. Um, in many ways, I, I don't think that they would do that. Uh, they also are trying to apparently get like Kyrie Irving. Like they're just like, we want to go star hunting and be back in contention, which maybe then they look at that and say, well, we don't want Amon Thompson then because he's super raw, but you know, looks really good. So we could get a really good player. Maybe they go for quickly. I don't know. I, and I, I feel like they would want more. Yeah. And I think this is where we have to zoom out for a second and say, like, what would what would push the Knicks to trade Emmanuel quickly? Because I, I think there's almost no world outside of like Wemby, obviously, or or Miller, if he's just amazing, where you trade Emmanuel quickly and you're better off for it next year, unless you then take that pick and repackage it somewhere else. But then we, we kind of get back to the age-old question: like, why wouldn't those teams just do that if if, if their goal is to get better right away? Um, so I really do think it take it would take like a Jaden Ivey situation, but I don't know, Alec. Like, would the Knicks have even done like the deal for Ivy this year, or would they do the deal for Ivy right now? Now that they are like on more of a winning trajectory than they were a year ago, I I think if I think if you offered the Knicks right now, like Emmanuel quickly for Jaden Ivy straight up, I don't think they would do it. I yeah, think. because I think because IQ can at least theoretically play with Brunson, like trading for a pure point guard. And, and look, that's just one example. Like, obviously, they could say like Amin Thompson, like could be like your shooting guard for the next twelve years, and and just has a different level of ceiling than someone like Quentin Grimes. So I think for the Knicks to talk themselves into it, it would have to be like the right positional fit and just like such a high ceiling that Leon Rose and Walt Perrin say like, all right, we cannot. This is too good of a possibility. We're not going to get a situation this good. And it allows us to kind of reset the money timeline versus having to pay quickly this summer. Yeah, I think that comes into it a lot. Like if Brock Aller has a voice in the room, he's probably saying, hey, look at this new CBA. Look at look at how tough it's going to be for us to, you know, potentially pay all these guys that we have on the roster. Like if you already want me to hand a, you know, 16 to 18 million dollar contract to Josh Hart this offseason, then if we give Manuel quickly like 20 million per then suddenly we're like sitting right on the edge of that that luxury tax, which is going to start being extra punitive soon, uh, which is going to make it really difficult to to build your team. So if they look at that and they say, hey, even if it makes us take a step back, if we trade Emmanuel quickly and and we could trade like IQ plus like a couple of those protective first rounders or something to get up to pick four, then they would probably do it. Now that said, I feel like I feel like we're talking very much from our perception of Emmanuel quickly and probably the Knicks perception, which is like, look at how amazing this dude is. Look at his on off numbers. Look at how great he did every time he started. Mm. But I feel like around the league, it would be sort of similar to the top in discourse where it would be like other teams would be trying to, to put the screws to the Knicks by saying, well, why didn't he play more? Well, why wasn't he starting? You know, why he's stuck in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, just real quick. We had like Mike Scotto on this podcast and I kind of suggested like, because this was, this was when it was rumored the Knicks would would trade Emmanuel quickly for any first round pick. Right. And, and the Knicks at that point in the year, of course, that was when quickly was struggling a bit. They weren't seemingly weren't getting bites at picks that were going to be in the twenties. And I was kind of saying like, all right, I would trade him for a top 10 pick. And, and Mike is a very nice guy, so he didn't, like, laugh me off my own podcast. But I feel like that was his inclination. And, of course, the way quickly performed the rest of the year kind of justified that take. But I still think, to your point, there, there's still a gap there between what we think and what the rest of the NBA thinks. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to end up floating him. I, I think – so maybe this is a good opportunity to just segue into our final predictions yeah. for, for what we think is going to happen. 
I feel like the Knicks aren't going to make an enormous splash. I think that there is a very decent chance that they move Obi Toppin uh, tonight and find some way to get back into the first round. I feel like it would happen live during the draft because I don't think that they want to chance not getting a certain guy that they want. Like if we've seen one thing with the Knicks, it's that they very much like to control where they're picking and who they get the opportunity to pick. Um, which yeah, you could say for every NBA team, but the Knicks seem very like not on board with settling in the draft. As we saw last year, you know, their, their top targets were off the board. They said, screw it. We'll trade out of the draft. We'll use this opportunity to get off some money. Um, we've seen it with all the jostling that they did the year that they took quickly, uh, where it was like, they managed to pull this like heist and move up to, you know, like eight spots in that draft. And then, and then wound up trading back down and getting picked 25 and 32 instead of whatever they started with like 28 and 37 or whatever it was. So they pulled off, you know, all these little machinations. So I think they'll look for some team in the very late teens to early twenties, maybe mid twenties and say, okay, you know, maybe they have a guy in mind. Maybe it's like a Colby Jones or something like someone who's, who seems pretty universally regarded as a a potential like day one NBA contributor uh, that can shoot the ball you know, maybe they're looking for someone like that, or maybe they want to take a swing on like a sense of R or something like that, but they probably have some one guy in mind that they want to try to get. And they'll most likely use Obi Toppin to get there. And then possibly they use a second round or they use some cash to get one more second round pick. Either they get a stash guy for overseas, like they do with Jokobitis, or uh, to potentially get a guy to sort of stash in the G league, like they did with, uh, with Keels last year. Um, so I, I think that's probably my prediction. I, but I do think they get back in the draft. I guess if I was going to distill it down to one singular take, I think the Knicks do get back into the draft. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to call my shot here, throw out a team name. Neither of us have said, I think, throughout this entire draft cycle, unless, unless I missed it, Alex, on a pod that I wasn't on. I'm going to say the Knicks trade Obi Toppin to the Golden State Warriors and pick 19. I think that is where he ends up. I think especially if Golden State brings Draymond back, that makes a whole lot of sense for them. Steph creates room in a way that no one else in the NBA does for years. I referenced Steph as kind of the guy like, wow, what if Obi played with this guy? They have to double team 40 feet away from the basket and you have this bullet just cutting towards the rim where you can either cut in for a lob, short roll, spray it out to a Clay Thompson, spray it out to a Jordan Poole. I think he is a fantastic fit there. Um, I don't know if this is legal, so maybe this is something we could talk about another day. And I don't even think the Knicks really need to do it because he could just go for the mid-level um, exception. But there was some talk about the Knicks having interest in Dante DiVincenzo. So there's some kind of like sign and trade mechanism to make that more easy. I don't know. That is beyond my pay grade. But I, I think Obi Toppin for pick 19 is what ultimately happens. The Warriors, we've heard reports all draft cycle long. They want to get someone who can contribute immediately. They are tired of drafting these dudes that are three years away when their whole core is in their early to mid thirties. So I, I think, I think that is ultimately the trade. All right. Well, there's only one thing to do now and that's wait and see. So that's exactly what we'll do. Uh, we will, there's, it's possible that this is our last show of the week. Honestly, if the Knicks don't get into the draft, there's not going to be too much to talk about uh, going into tomorrow. So this may be our sign off for the week, but if the Knicks do end up back in the draft, we'll be back for all the coverage on that. And to brief you guys on on everything that happens in the draft tonight. So uh, till next time, whether that's the end of this week or early next week where we start talking about free agents. Uh, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out, everybody. And we'll be back. <laughs>